Welcome back to your Right to Speak discussions. This is part two of what to look for in a worker. It's kind of like we have all this trauma and we're just supposed to spill it out on our first session or second session and just like talk about it, talk about ourselves, our lives. And it's just like, I don't know you, right? It's kind of like a hard thing to do. And it's not, I personally experienced that. Like I've had to repeat my story so many times to so many different staff members, caseworkers, frontline workers, social workers, counselors. It is exhausting having to relive these horrible moments over and over again. And so sometimes the relationship needs to be the first priority. Do we connect? Do I get you? Can I get you? I think that needs to be a shift in how people approach youth with trauma is right now, it's it's not about me helping you. It's like, can I get you help, right? Can I help you or find you a person who can type of thing? Do we have a connection? And do you trust me? How can I earn your trust? Uh, The building of trust is obviously like the most crucial thing, like you've, you know, emphasized and to be able to start with a therapist. And then if we're looking at like the cutoff date of when you, you know, turn 18, then you're, you are cut off from that said therapist. And then you have to go rebuild a new relationship. And that kind of just feeds into this idea that, you know, we can't form meaningful relationships because it's continuously been cut off so it would be it would be really nice if like in the child welfare system that was continued and you know that we could continue learning about each other and we could nourish that counselor relationship i have had a dream that you know there would be a worker to follow a youth as soon as they entered the system up until age 24. And at least that worker is that consistent person in that young person's life. Because being honest, you are going to have to switch therapists every now and then because of the eligibility, because of funding, and there's all these different spheres moving in. But if a young person has that one consistent person that at least they can go to, I think that's what's really missing. What about like a mentor? As soon as he's enter care, they're assigned a mentor. Agreed. And what you guys are talking about in terms of, you know, the stability of having a worker, if you don't necessarily like your social worker in particular, should there also be an option for you to maybe access a new worker or does it have to be the same worker the entire time? I've personally, you know, not gotten along with, I wouldn't say not gotten along, but um, I just noticed a lack of interest in certain workers. And, you know, I wish I personally advocated for more than that. I didn't really think I could. And so I'm not even sure if like young people now in the child welfare system can really request a new worker and if it's efficiently done within like a month or what that timeline would be. What are your thoughts on that though, in terms of like having an option for a worker that connects with you? Well, I mean, I'm in favor of that too, right? It's again, it's about the young person's needs and their level of comfort. Early on, I remember working with someone who didn't like their uh, CAS worker and they wanted to switch and they were having difficulty switching. So I was like, okay, let me call the boss. You don't like them? What's the big deal? In the grand scheme of things, what's the big deal? That's the ego of the worker. 
coming into play. If the youth tells me to F off or all this stuff, listen, it, it honestly hurts me a little bit, but it's not about me. <laughs> you know, it's about the youth. And I remember Irwin saying this, everything should be revolving around the youth. Mm -hmm. And that is what people are missing. There was one thing that like I wanted to ask and like that was around like mental health. Cause I know that you talked about sometimes it's hard to, it's hard for like the youth to be able to form that, those trusts and those bonds and um, that relationship because they're probably dealing with so much. And right now there's very limited training um, when it comes to more severe kind of mental health issues, especially for those who like live in poverty, live in shelters and stuff like that. What is there for youth suffering with severe mental illnesses? Like, I, I truly want to know because right now some of the processes mm -hmm. that they could be put into like group homes, they could be put into transitional homes, but if they're too much for these transitional homes, they'll go to shelters. And sometimes mm -hmm. if they're too much for shelters, they have no place to go and they get no help, right? So this is, and I've said this at work a whole bunch of times, discharge, I don't believe in it. I only believe in discharge if it is a last resort, if we have tried everything possible to work with the youth, it, or if it's a safety concern. I mean, if you're punching holes in the walls or you're doing whatever to stop for other you know, youth in the space, then I got to think about everyone else. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the reasons why I don't believe in discharge because we are housing for you, particularly in the shelter system there aren't supports out there. I mean, the biggest gap in the system right now is transitional age youth, you know, 18, what is it, 19 to 24. Mm -hmm. There are so many gaps in the services because right now, unless you find the right program, you're gonna go from a youth service to the adult system, which is completely different. And it's completely mm -hmm. different on how you get treated. Did I answer your question? I hope I did particular reason why I mentioned it because I've personally seen so often just how quickly some youth would be discharged because they just don't know how to handle their situation. They don't know how to handle youth dealing with trauma, right? Um, and we don't have the tools to deal with it ourselves. It just becomes like this really rapid cycle of like seeing so many good quality kids just being left with nothing or entering maybe just bad or like not in a good place because of a crisis or a tragedy of some sort and then entering the system being conditioned to adapt to the chaos and then left with nothing left feeling so much more broken and empty and lost and it killed me <laughs> it killed me to see that happen so frequently so frequently and I, I don't know what to do about it young people just going through child welfare I personally think like when you're in a foster home or group home it really does set you up to be in the shelter system I've known multiple people that have you know graduated from care whatever you want to call it and that's their resort and even with my worker, speaking to my last worker that I've had in care, the way they, they described going into the shelter system for me was like a normal thing. Like they've done it previously to other people. And it's like, it really discourages a young person's 
sense of worthiness when you're saying like when you don't mention school for one and then when you're saying you know like this is an option like you can go here you're you're essentially not good enough for anything else but we'll start you off here maybe you can work your way up and actually get your own place it's built that way it seems like like in the shelter system uh, at least the ones in the city of toronto are have to take a housing first approach when saying that every person in the system has a right to housing, no matter mental health, no matter where they are, they have a right to housing. I think that needs to be implemented in the child welfare system because, yeah. and it's difficult because as soon as a youth comes into care, really what should be happening is applying for rent geared to income. But with that being said, a youth is just coming into care. So how am I gonna have a conversation with the youth and say, okay, I'm here to support you, but we're gonna get you on a housing list too at the same time. Like it's it's kind of a dance. Mm. You need employment. You cannot find housing without an employment letter, right? Landlords need that. I remember working with one of my past youth who came from here into the transition program. And because they were dealing with mental health for the two years they were living in the program had not found employment. Now they were still able to find housing because they were getting, I think it's visa from CAS. So they had some money coming in. You know, there's a point for me as a worker, it's, there's a reason to, to my madness too. And although I know sometimes youth may not be ready to do certain things, some things have to happen. So mm -hmm. society doesn't kick you in the, in the butt. Of course. <laughs> Like, it doesn't have to be the first conversation about, like, when uh, a youth is introduced into the welfare system, but it could be at, like, the first three months or six months plan of care and say that uh, we want to look into, like, these options for your safety and stuff. I think it's understandable and it gives us, like, a sense of when it comes time, it is necessary, so. I think a youth could look at it two ways, too. It's like, Maybe I just got here and you're setting me up to leave like oh, uh, that that could be disturbing for a youth. But it's like if a youth takes the lens of like, wow, this this is something that I can do. I can get housing. I can live on my own. It may just help their confidence. It may just help them succeed in life. And so I love the way you are talking about this, because I don't think there's ever like a, a too early age for someone that's in the child welfare system to be discussing, you know, having their own place and and having to start to think about those those thoughts of like, I can be good enough, I can pay rent, I can get a job. You know, a lot of times young people in care haven't seen people either work before. They've seen people sometimes, you know, ODSP, there's nothing wrong with that. I understand certain situations, but it's just like this revolving cycle. So you need to see it being done. You need, like Shanice was saying before, which was an amazing point, mentors. Like having seen someone who has been through it through the system and seeing them elevate and, you know, being able to confide in them and talk to them about things that they went through that, you know, they can discuss with you and, and having that sense of belonging with that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I think, you know, with the mentors too, it's, you can vent to your mentor about your worker. You can say, my worker is Can I say on here? I think I can can say, you know, whatever, right? And it's just, it creates a bond for that young person. It is difficult sometimes from a worker's perspective. I'll be honest. Like there are, 
youth that I've worked with that it's, I just wanted to kind of sit them down and say, listen, like, just do these things <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's going to lead you down a harder life. And mm-hmm. I know it's going to lead them down a harder life. I had one you say, okay, so I need to find housing. I'm just going to go back to the shelter system. I'm like, no, the point is to get you out of mm-hmm. the system, right? Mm-hmm. But some of these are so conditioned to the institution. Trust me, I believe we are the first to understand, like, it is difficult, but it's also necessary, right? It's going to be uncomfortable and we have to be, like, learning to be doing what is uncomfortable but also necessary right having these conversations may not be received but I trust me like uh, when it when it comes to youth um, we recognize the effort and if that effort is consistent it allows us to trust that you have our right intentions right so as long as you keep on repeating the message to us eventually it will be ingrained and eventually we will hear it and that's why i start early and that's uh, that also is why we need to have representation of using care who has made it to see our own potential in them right so representation um, consistency, trust, these are all things that like we still have to continue to work on and ingrain into every aspect of the system. Yeah. Mm. I have just a quick question for you guys in terms of, I guess for you, Shanice, if you have had a negative worker, was there a way that you would sort of tell them that maybe they're not doing what they should be? Or would you kind of like step away and like leave it alone because you were kind of nervous about that? We're not built for that. Like we're not built to actually approach people when we're being abused. Typically, if somebody was acting shifty around me, it was my sign to start backing away and protecting myself. That was my response. And that is going to be the response of pretty much every youth in care. That's like our trauma responses is to protect ourselves first. And that's why sometimes it is so difficult for us to speak up when it comes to being abused or neglected or manipulated by people in our system who is there to protect us. That goes for our workers and our caregivers. When we speak, speak up. We need people to listen the first time and take us seriously because it's hard to do it a second time. Those who listened gave us at least a a glance into a willingness to be a little bit more open or a little bit more trustworthy with that person. Those who do it off the back makes it so much easier for us to actually be a little bit more committed to them. But those who don't, those who shut us down or don't know what they're doing, trust me, we see it. If you don't know how to respond to us when we're talking and opening up to opening ourselves up to you, we see it. So like funny because <laughs> like, they look confused. They're like, I don't know what to do here. You just said something very personal and I don't know how to respond. I know, I saw that, you know, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I know, I, I know, but that's the reality. I'm, I'm going to paint the reality from the lens of the youth is that when we open up, it's a big deal, mm-hmm. right? And so it's important for you to have the facilities to know exactly what to do. That's where training is important. That's why your own awareness is important. Understanding your capacity, understanding your responses to us is so important. You're right. It's so important when you're telling someone something because if you haven't had people to talk to before and you think this this could be the person I can trust and you're confiding in them and they do something, like you said, you know, shifty or whatever, then that's a slap in the face. That's another slap in the face. Your, your wall just gets higher and higher. And then 
for me. So yeah, I definitely have a flight response and a lot of young people in care have a flight response, but people get mad or upset, you know, when, when someone has the fight response of like, I'm going to combat this now. I'm so tired of, of having this flight response that I need to get the way I feel off my chest in a literal sense, like in the physical sense. And then they get punished for it. And so instead of verbally having those conversations and trying to deal with it, like what happens to the youth? They just get removed again. It's such a complex, dysfunctional cycle. Just to go back to what you're saying, it is it is really important to build that trust and to have that trust and have someone who's a worker on your side. And so like, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, Salvador, in terms of like your experience, if you're noticing a young person is maybe just not communicating withdrawn and like maybe they've previously communicated with you before and whatnot um, what is your response to them do you just give them their space or maybe try to talk to them I know it differs in situations it depends on the relationship I have with the youth but I kind of do both I will give them the space and I'll also try to and if they say that they don't want that space I will let them know cool take your space here if you need me I'm leaving or home at this time, I'm back tomorrow morning at this time, I'm here if you need me. Yeah, so I've kind of done both. I will say though, when youth have opened up to me and I did not know how to respond, I've just been honest with you. I've just said, listen, thank you for sharing that. Don't know how I'm gonna answer that, but I'm just gonna be in this space with you right now. Mm. A lot of workers try to like hide it and you know with the masks now they're thinking you know no one's gonna see the facial expressions and it's mm. all not true i know for sure you can definitely read my mind i've been called out on some of my sh- and that's fine with me but it's just it's so so important to just be authentic and honest you don't know how to respond to that no worries I worked at an all-girls group home and they're asking me about like periods and highs and I'm like, I don't know. Let's look that up on Google together and I'll get you that answer. And or be like, let's uh, see what happens to a tampon when we put it under the water. I respect it. I respect it. I like that too. Like you're yeah. definitely learning with them. And I think the whole thing that you said of like, you know, if someone does want their space, saying I'm leaving at this time and I'm going to be back at this time, letting them know that you're still there for them and they have that option. Like a lot of, everyone needs that. Not a lot of people, everybody needs that. It's great. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Like having interest is a big deal.